cared about you or they didn't act like godly parents and you associate the heavenly father that way but he's not that way he's perfect he cares about every detail of your life you know the bible i you know some people say well i don't know that jesus had a sense of humor but i believe he did i think he had a perfect sense of humor i mean it lines up with scripture But he even said, I care about you so much, I know how many hairs are on your head. <laughs> that can be construed as kind of funny for people like Charles, you know, <laughs> and me. Yeah, some of you has to count a lot higher than others. But I, I think he put that in there just to get our attention. That I, I, that's how much I care about you. That's how much I know you. He said he formed us in, in our mother's womb. He knit us together. So um, God cares about you this morning. And I, and I know tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and I'm going to share some things on love this morning. Um, but, man, the best Valentine's Day was the day Jesus died for us and showed the supreme love, the supreme sacrifice. But I'm going to let you in on some really awesome secrets this morning, some very great truths that will help you in whatever area of life that you're in, whatever place you're at right now, that it's going to give you some really some awesome tools to go forward in your life, to live a, a victorious life. Um, I saw Thelma here. Is Philip here? Philip? Man, you need to come forward. I need to give you your baptismal certificate. If I don't do it now, it might be a, I don't, I don't know. I found it again this morning. I thought, he moved back to New Mexico for a while, but he's back. Philip Burtz. A couple of little ditties, little announcements. Joanne and Steve Nance are moving uh, to San Antonio. They need some help next Saturday. If you could come help them uh, load their kids. No, load the truck. Uh, they, they were, and they've, they've been such an awesome blessing to us. We're going to miss you guys. When's, when did your last Sunday here? You'll be here next Sunday so we can pray over you. We, w- we don't want to pray a week early. Okay. So, okay. So we'll be praying over the Nance family as they go. And they're ambassadors wherever they go. We want to bless them in the going. Um, and at the end of the service, I'm going to let, if you'll remind me, where's Jay? She's going to share something about Upward. So if you don't know about Upward, she's going to let you know about that at the end of the service because I forgot to let her do it earlier in the service. Okay? And we have a video. You got the video cued, boys? I need like a thumbs up. Okay, there we go. Let's watch this video. Do a test later on. I am a man. I am a man. And I am romantically challenged. My wife is from Venus. And I am from Mars, but we must learn to live together on Earth. Although I don't like to talk or share my feelings, I am here tonight to do both because I love my wife. Who's up? Hi, my name is Dan, and I am romantically challenged. 
Hi, Dan. Dan, I want you to share your feelings, even though it goes against everything you stand for as a man. I tried the trick that Jerry taught us last week. A trick is what a two-bit magician does at a county fair. Jerry was given a technique, and a technique... Hey, Dr. Phil, let him finish. So anyway, I decided I'd use Jerry's technique last week. My wife came to me all exasperated and pulled her hair out and whatnot about her job. And I used Jerry's words exactly. I said, now, honey, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to listen or fix it? And what'd she say? Listen. Fix it. And so anyway, I tried to listen. I really did. But in the middle of listening, I came up with a seven-point plan to fix it. I'm so ashamed. It's okay, Dan. Hey, you're multitasking, all right? And that is very hard for your untrained, one-track man brain to do. Feel proud of that, all right? Who's next? Hey, I'll go. Uh, hey, guys, I'm Jerry, and uh, I'm a, or was, romantically challenged. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. hey. Yeah, I uh, actually went through the uh, program, and now I'm a, a real romantic, according to someone at home. <laughs> Remember when we talked about how we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loves the church? Well, gentlemen, mission accomplished. <laughs> okay? This weekend, I saw some extra charges on Cindy's bank card. So, yeah. But I, uh, you know, instead of yelling and screaming like I normally would, uh, I acted in a more Christ-like manner. Yeah. Yeah. So I simply turned over her nightstand and her scrapbooking table and said, Get out of here, money changer. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I don't think that's what the Ephesians 5 passage means. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm sorry, Bill Gates. Uh, who are you? No, I, I think when it says that we should love our wives like Christ loved the church, that means that we're supposed to serve and, and sacrifice. Hey, I was cleansing the temple. I was cleansing the temple. Okay, different perspective, not necessarily right, just different. All right, I think the question is, how many of you have ever done anything for your wife without desiring anything in return? Maybe sitting on the couch, cuddling up to her, watching a movie, maybe The Notebook. Hmm? Are you even married? Jesus wasn't married. Now look, the point I'm trying to, no, I'm not, and that stings a little bit. I have read a lot, well, parts of a lot of relationship books, and if anyone thinks they can lead this group better than I can, put your hand down, Jerry. I am sharing my feelings, and that's what you need to do with your wives. Practice makes perfect. Who wants to go next? I guess I could give it a shot. Hi, guys. My name is Sheldon, and I am romantically challenged. Hi, Sheldon. Sheldon. I thought I'd just share a few things from the program that I've learned so far. First, if your wife says she doesn't know where she wants to go eat, well, that's pretty much code for Italian and expensive Italian. And secondly, if you're getting her an anniversary gift, the Snuggies, not really a very good idea, even if it's the leopard print. Learn that one the hard way. And then third, the simple act of doing dishes is a big, big win. I mean, a big one. So, do all the dishes you can. Thanks. I have no idea what you said, but that was good. Bathroom break isn't yet. Uh, sorry, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. Oh, Mr. Big Guy doesn't want to share, does he? Not tonight. Probably doesn't care about his wife. Okay, um, I'll share. Um, 
Okay. Um, this is a picture of my wife and kids. Um, I've been married for 20 years. We married young, and I don't regret it. Have we had our share of storms? Sure. Do we have some amazing memories? <laughs> Too many to, to mention. Do I try to fix things? I do. But it's just because after 20 years of marriage, I still want to ride in and be my wife's knight in shining armor. I remember um, when we got engaged, her father looked at me and he said, just love her the way Christ loved the church. I smiled and said I would, having no idea what that meant. And I still don't know if I understand it. But you know what I want? I want to be a man who wakes up every morning and asks the question, how can I bless my wife? And God, men, isn't that what you want? I mean, isn't your wife worth it? Hey, wait. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Sit down, Jerry. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Okay, enough. Sit down. What? What is? What is going on? Sit down. Please sit down. I need a wife. Captain, my captain. How many know where that's from? Huh? Dead Poet Society, that movie. Okay, the guy kind of revolutionized their life. Huh? It, well, I know. It's a, it's a poem written about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I checked it out. I was want to be, I Googled it. Would you stand with me as, when, as we read uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 from the message? Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, keep company with Him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us love like that father teach us to love like you love teach us to understand and just go forward in that christ-like love that you told us to love with and father help us to receive that love so we can give that love father open our eyes to the truth of love this morning in jesus name i pray amen you may be seated I can tell when the words aren't up there, y'all just kind of got silent. <laughs> it's okay. I Googled the word love. I thought, hey, have you ever just Googled a word just to see how many times it comes up on the deal? Well, I Googled love, 
and I came up with, it said about 3,210,000,000 results. Just the word love. It's a real popular word. It's a, a, a word that's used very loosely, very strangely. Uh, so that I looked on that site. You know how you pay, I guess you pay, you pay to get your position on Google, right? And that's a form of advertising. That's how they make billions of dollars. So the second thing on the list after Wikipedia definition of love was the love calculator. The love calculator. So guess what I did? I clicked on the love calculator. I did. This is kind of fun. And it said if you just type in your first and last name and the woman's first and last name, then they'll decide if you are meant for each other. And it's based solely on names. So I typed in Harold Watkins, and I typed in Mary Ratliff. That's my wife's maiden name. <laughs> we have a 52% chance of making it, baby. 52%. Dr. Love thinks that a relationship between Harold Watkins and Mary, Rat Mary Ratliff has a reasonable chance of working out. But on the other hand, it might not. <laughs> That's what Dr. Love said. Your relationship may suffer good and bad times. If things might not be working out as you would like them to, do not hesitate to talk about it with the person involved. Spend time together and talk with each other. Well, we're almost at 39 years, so I'm not listening to Dr. Love. Okay? <laughs> then I typed in the name of one of my old girlfriends. Not really. <laughs> I had you there. Woo! <gasps> Are you crazy? <laughs> Captain Mike. <laughs> now, I will tell you the first thing we do when we get home. She's going to say, did you really type in somebody's name? She'll ask me. <laughs> oh, God. She just said I didn't have any old girlfriends. <laughs> Boy, that hurt. Basil, I'm going to have to make an appointment with you for some counseling now. But, you know, the world has tried to define love since the dark ages, and our society is no different. We still are trying to define love. All of you, cop, you could probably give me an adjective or description of what love is, and most of us would be wrong if we didn't really go to the biblical definition of love, which is from the word agape in the Greek. And it, that's kind of a mysterious word if you really look into it. But I think it's come to mean for most people the understanding of all the uh, background and understanding of agape is that it means selfless love, unselfish love, uh, unselfishness toward other people, which is supreme love because that's Christ's love. That's the way he loved us. So we're going to look just at those first two verses this morning. We're not even going to go into the part about Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, I give that spiel when I do marriage counseling. That's usually in the scripture passage when, when we uh, marry people. You know, you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. But did you hear what that guy said the first one when he said, when my father-in-law, my future father-in-law said that, he said, I didn't really understand what it meant. And I think sometimes we don't have a grasp of really what it means to love like Christ loved. Love our wives, yes, but we're supposed to love other people the same way. We're supposed to have this agape in within us that exudes out of us and causes us just to be the people of love that God's called us to be. Listen, if the church goes out and we don't go out in love, we've hope, we just missed the whole point. 
Jesus came because of love. He died because of love. He was resurrected because of love. He intercedes for us because of love. And he pours out love on us every day of our lives, every moment of every day of our lives. But he's called us to do the very same thing he did. We talk about the greater works of Jesus. Listen, one of the greatest works, the greatest work he did was to die for us and to love us. So if we can't go to that place, uh, yeah, I want to pray for the sick. I want to see people healed. I want to see demons cast out. But listen, if we can't love people, we've missed it. If we're not a, and that's one of the, the great things I love about this church, this body of believers. People will tell me over and over, new people that visit. Man, I just feel love there. I've been to churches where people didn't speak to me. And people come up and they really genuinely care about me. And they show love to me. I had one lady say, I could, I could sense the love of God or the presence of God in the parking lot before I even came in the building. Listen, if we're not, if that's not oozing out of us, then we really aren't the church that God called us to be. You know what we're called in the Bible? We're called the bride of Christ. And a bride loves their groom. They, they can't wait to be with the groom. They, they can't wait to wedding day. They can't wait to, to, to consummate their marriage. They can't wait for that intimacy. So, guys, this is the mystery for all of you when he says, well, you know, guys are just not that way. We're not touchy-feely. We don't just like, listen, that's the misconception of the world. That's the way the world teaches that guys are to be macho or guys are to be this and guys are to be that. Listen, women want a, a man that loves God. Women want a man that has an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They really want a man. And then, if, you know why? If they can find a man that really loves God, if they can find a man that really has given his life and submitted his life to Christ, they know they found them somebody that's worth investing their life in. But if you go at it from the direction of the world and the way the world tells you to love, what the world tells you, listen, tomorrow billions of dollars are going to be spent on by people, some of them to express their love, but... A lot of the people that are going to buy flowers tomorrow and cards and candy and all that stuff are doing it because they were trying to buy somebody's love. And even the Beatles had it right when they said, you can't buy me love. You can't buy love. You can simulate it. You can counterfeit. You can try all those other things. But I'm telling you, the only way relationships will work is if there's God's love involved in the relationship. And it's always best if it's from both parties. I was involved, I was brought up in a family where it wasn't that way from my mother and my dad. I mean, it was a very difficult situation. Some of you were brought up that way. You didn't see God's love in your home. But listen, those excuses are over with. If you've given your life to Christ, if you surrender to him, you have, you can't go back and say, well, I just, I can't do this because of whatever. And go back and look at your past. God will, he delivers us from our past. He takes us from our past. He brings us into the new. So we don't need to hang out there so much. We don't need to go back and remember all those things. We need to step into the love that Christ has for us. I want to make some really quick points here, then we'll close. First thing is watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, we hope. Mostly what God does is love you. Listen, if, that when you break that down, you look at what it means to watch. I, want, I would like to read the other passages because some people... They're like already got a, a, a thing about, oh, he's preaching from the message today. I just can't listen to that. So here's what the King James says. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So the message says to watch God. 
And King James says to be a follower of God. The Amplified says this, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy Him and follow His example. As well-loved children imitate their father. So we've got watch, we've got to be a follower, we've got to be, we've got being, uh, imitating Christ, following his example, NIV, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Now I want you to notice what he says, what Paul says over and over here is that you are dearly loved. You're children, you're my dearly loved children. I love you so much, so would you just follow me? Would you listen to me? Would you watch me? Would you pay attention to me? And then the contemporary English uh, says this, do as God does. After all, you're his children, you're his dear, dear children. You know, Nike says just do it. God says do it just like I do it. Follow me, follow my example. Do what I do. Imitate me. Listen, we're very bad. We're very, we're very prone as human beings. We like to imitate other people. I've, I've told you this story before. When I grew up, Mickey Mantle was my favorite. He was, my, he was that superstar baseball player. I idolized him. I really did idolize him. And so I wanted to wear number seven. I wanted to be a New York Yankee, and I learned to switch hit at a very young age because he was a switch hitter. You know why? I just imitated him. I tried to pattern my life after him. Listen, if I would have followed in his footsteps... I would have become an alcoholic because that's what he did. I would have been a womanizer because that's what he was. You see, when you see the surface out there, it always looks good. The world will paint you a really pretty picture of something, but it won't show you the behind the scenes. Oh, some of the girls, they want to be supermodels, but you go and find out about what really goes on in supermodels' lives. They're not very happy people, mostly. I don't know many of them. I've just read some stories about them. Listen, the world will paint you a picture, and it's a false picture of what real love is. How do we do that? How do we follow Christ's example? How do we know what he did? How do we understand his steps? How do we follow in his footsteps? It's called the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Y'all know that song? We don't sing much about the Bible, do we? The hymns, man, they had some good hymns about the Bible. I don't know that we have too many contemporary worship songs about the B-I-B-L-E. Ancient words. I love that song. We need to do more of those. Listen, if you want to follow Christ, you've got to pick up the Word of God. Bottom line, if you really want to know Jesus, then he says, here he is. Here I am. He said, this is me. He didn't say, this is about me. He said, this is me. Jesus said, I am the word. He is the word. Became flesh. He dwelt among us, but he's the word. So if you want to know Jesus, you've got to get the word in you. I mean, we could just solve so many problems if Christians that really said they were Christians really actually read the word. You know, it's like somebody's always said, there would never be any fundraisers at just the church if they just tithed. If people just did the simple things that God has said for us to do, we wouldn't have to do a lot of the things that we do in church today. Would we? Okay. So we need to watch God. We need to understand who he is. Jesus even said this in John five nineteen. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does the father the son also does in like manner even jesus looked and saw this is what my father's doing this is what i'm going to do and what he did was act out love 
Everything he did in his life was acting out of love. You know, when he called the 12 together, he said, I'm going to send you out. And then he called the 72 together. He said, I'm going to send you out. And he said, you're going to do this. You're going to drive out demons. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to do all these things. You know what that was based upon? L-O-V-E. I don't know when the Crusades happened. Do you, anybody remember, have uh, history in the Crusades? That's when all the Christians went out and tried to kill everybody and make them Christians. Can you just imagine Jesus assembling a bunch of people and saying, now I want you to go out and kill people in my name. I want you to go out and destroy people in my name. No, he said, I want you to go heal people. I want you to go speak life to people. I want you to go to raise the dead. I want you to go drive out the demons because of my love. It's got to go out. Listen, if the church was going out in love, we wouldn't have churches half empty and churches closing doors in, the, in our country and in this world today. They would be packed overflowing. Y'all understand that? It would be overflowing if all we did was act out in the love of Christ. We wouldn't have a, a, a divorce rate in the church that's the same or even worse than the world's. We wouldn't have it because husbands and wives would be acting out of love. There would be none of the stuff that we hear today. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I hear in marriage counseling. What goes on in quote unquote Christian marriages? It's because people have quit loving. People have not understood the love of God. People have not received the love and they can't give it if they haven't received it. The next thing is keep company with him and learn a life of love. That's from the message. I'm going to show you in the other translations, though. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Have you ever hung out with somebody who was a bad influence on you? Come on, let me, let me, see, let me get a witness here. Have you ever hung out with somebody that was a bad influence on you? I want, let me just give you a little hint. This is going to be so cool. If you hang out with Jesus, he'll never be a bad influence on you. Ever, 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 ever. He will be a perfect influence on you. Some Christians you shouldn't even hang out with. Because they're not living the life of Christ. Oh, yeah, but he says he's a Christian. Hey, saying and doing and being are two different things or three different things. Hang out with Jesus. I, I've told somebody I wanted to do a, a T-shirt. I think it would really be good that Jesus was hung up on love. Jesus was hung up on love. Man, that was his motto. He went to the cross. He's hung up because of his love for us. Man, we need to get hung up with Jesus. We need to get hung up on love. But that involves some things that a lot of people don't like to think about, and that's called sacrifice. But he says this, keep company with a life with him and learn a life of love. Hang out with him, learn what he's like, and then you'll be like him. He rubs off. King James says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. That word walk, when you talk, when you look into the a study of what the word walk means, it means live a lifestyle of. It doesn't mean just walk with a holding up a sign of love or a red heart. I'm walking in love. No, it means a lifestyle of love. It means a lifestyle of good responses. It means a lifestyle of, of peace. It means a lifestyle of blessing and not cursing. The Amplified says this, and walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You know what the word esteem means? It means respect. Some Christians are so grounded in their Christianity that they can point out everybody else's faults. That's not esteeming somebody in love. 
Man, you don't have to agree with somebody. You don't, you don't have to walk with somebody, but, but you don't have to come down on people in, in a harsh way, in a disrespectful way to show them who you are in Christ. You live a life of love. Some of you, maybe you're like me. I used to have such a critical spirit. That's a killer. A critical spirit will just nail you. It will mess you up. But you know what you've done? If you have, if you have a critical spirit, I'll just know because I've been there and I've done that. If you have a critical spirit, here's what a critical spirit is. You're down there and I'm up here. That's what a critical spirit is. I got it all together. You don't. I don't smoke. You do. You must be going to hell. I mean, I've heard that out of the lips of Christians. They're smoking. They're going to hell. I saw somebody drink a drink. They're going to hell. And we set ourselves up like we're some God or something. Critical spirit. Ain't cool. The contemporary English says, let love be your guide. Anybody ever had a guide? Anybody ever had uh, hired a guide before? What kind of guides are there? They're fishing guides. What else? Hunting guides. Huh? Tour guides. Scuba, scuba, scuba diving guides. Scuba. Okay. Going under the water guides. Anybody else? Any kind of guide? Let love be your guide. Mary Lou and I went to Washington, D.C. during the call back in uh, 08 or 09, something like that. And we got to do a tour of the Capitol. But to go into the Capitol, you had to go to the offices next door, and you had to go to the congressman's office. And there they had a tour guide assigned to us. It was just us and one other couple. It was pretty cool. So he could really tell us about it. And he took us down these hallways, downstairs, under a tunnel to get to the Capitol building. Do you all know that's how they get there? They have tunnels all, all under that thing. If he would have just let us go, we probably never would have found the Capitol. But we listened to our tour guide. And you go on a hunting trip, you can go hunting. But listen, if you don't know the area, it's very advantageous to have a hunting guide. They can get you where you need to go faster and probably will produce results where you might not have had any results. And they will save you from a lot of harm, possibly, especially if you're scuba diving. You want somebody that knows what they're doing if you're going to go scuba diving. Anybody ever go scuba diving? Okay. Did you know you can suffer a lot of Bad things if you go scuba diving and you don't know what you're doing. Tour guides, scuba guides, hunting guides, fishing guides. Anybody's gone fishing with a fishing guide? What, what's the guides? What, what is their purpose? They know where the fish are, right? Well, look, if we're letting love be our guide, isn't that a cool way to think of it? You're going to get where you need to go. God's going to deliver you where you need to be delivered to. He's going to cause you not to be harmed, but he's going to bring you in a safe place. If you let love be your guide, we're talking about the love of Christ here. Some of you just trying to wing it on your own, your own love thing. And you're not getting where you need to go. 
Matter of fact, it'll get you in a lot of trouble, especially with the relationships. If it's not love and it's called, it's another four-letter word called lust. It's not godly direction, but it's fleshly direction. Gets you in a lot of trouble. You might want to check with the love guide, Jesus, about relationships. Third thing is observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. Say extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. I love the way the message puts that. Let me read that again. Observe. That means really to look into something. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious. Ooh, I don't think I want to go up on that cross. Ooh, I don't think I want to hang out with those 12 guys. I know one of them is bad. I don't think I want to walk out on the water tonight because those guys, they're, you know, they're in trouble out on the boat. Uh, you know, God might not hold me up. He was not cautious. He walked and did exactly what he saw the father do. That's what love does. It'll take you to the places you need to go, and it'll get you there supernaturally if you need to be. Amen? His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He poured it all out. He gave it all. For you and for me. Doesn't that just blow your mind? The contemporary version says, Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. The New Living Translation says he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma aroma to God. I think for all believers, it's kind of hard for us to understand. I know it is, especially if you're a parent. How we could allow our child to die for somebody else. I've, I've said this many times. I, I would lay down my life for somebody, but I sure wouldn't let you. I, w- I wouldn't lay down my daughter's life or my son's life. It would be me first. You, you know what I'm saying? So I really can't even comprehend the love of the father to give his son for us. I don't think we can comprehend that. I think that's why he's God and we're not. I I can see, though, from Jesus' perspective that he loved his dad so much, he said, I'll die. He said, I want to please. He said, whatever it takes to please you, Father, I'll do it if it, it means death. He said, it's not, it's not my option. It's not really what I want to do. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. I love you so much, Father. And I know there has to be a price that's paid. I will do it. That's how much Jesus loved his father. That's how much the father loved us, that he would give his only son to die for us. That, my friends, is sacrificial love. That, my friends, is what makes relationships work. That's what keeps marriages together. That's what restores broken relationships. It's that kind of love that says, I think more of you than I do of myself. I'll lay down my life for you. You know, when when we lay down our lives, some people think, well, that just means we're going to have to die. Listen, I believe that 
that means more than just dying physically. I think laying down your life means you lay down your rights, lay down your thoughts and your, your wants and, and your agenda for somebody else's agenda. That's what it means to lay down your life. Greater love has no man than this, and he lays down his life for his friends. We always use that one on Memorial Day. We're talking about soldiers that died in the line of battle to, to keep somebody else from dying. But really, what he means there is that would you be willing to exalt somebody else and lower yourself, humble yourself and exalt others, think more of others than you think of yourself? That's agape love. That's what God's called us to do. I remember going to, uh, before we got married, I heard this. You've got to be willing to give and take, but give more than you take. Right? Give and take. But we like to take. Give me, give me, give me. We don't like to give as much as we like to take. But God says he gave his only son. He was the gift of life, the gift of love that God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. So the secret to... A great marriage, the secret to a great relationship, restoring things that are broken is L-O-V-E, the way Jesus said to do it. The example he set for us to do. That's love. Without expecting anything in return, just love. Giving it all up. And I, I like this. The last thing that the message says is this. Love like that. You want a healthy, happy marriage? Love like that. Love like Jesus loved. You want a relationship restored in your family? Love the way Jesus showed us to love. Do you want lost people to come to Jesus? Give of yourself sacrificially. Go the extra mile. Be extravagant in your love. Love without expecting anything in return. The best gift you can give your wives, men... Are you girlfriends? This is going to be really cool. You're going to like this. This is what God showed me. Because it said that Jesus was a sweet-smelling fragrance to his father. You can go out and buy some Chanel number 25 or whatever. You spend a lot of money. Get, get that woman. Oh, man, this is good stuff, baby. The lady behind the counter said this was the best. But what your wife would like more than that would be for you to be a sweet-smelling aroma to Christ. That you, listen, Jesus was a sweet-smelling aroma because he pleased the Father. We are a, a sweet fragrance to our Father when we're exalting him and praising him and living a life that pleases him. Women, would I be true in saying that? Wouldn't you, wouldn't, would you rather have that than a bottle of perfume? With that body spray like Preston puts on? Nine years old putting body spray on. See, our world tells us, get the right perfume. Get the the best roses. Get the sugar-free candy. Get whatever. And men, and, and get them, take them on a trip. Do a wine and dine your, your wife or the one you're going after, your court and all that. And God says, no. Man, that, you can do that, but be first, first get your life right with Christ. Be a sweet-smelling aroma to him. That's the trick. 
captain, oh my captain. <laughs> that's what your wives want. But more than that, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. Let's stand. Happy Valentine's Day. You know, our mandate or the mandate God's given me here is, is about freedom, setting the captives free, seeing people delivered and healed and all that. But listen, the, the greatest mandate we have as believers is to love. Even the fruits of the Spirit are all wrapped up in that one, love. He starts with love. Love is the key. Agape love, selfless love, giving kind of love. If that's not where you're at today, just bow your heads and ask the Lord to fill you with his love this morning so that you can be a conduit, you can be a channel of blessing to other people. Just ask him. Remove the selfishness. Repent of any selfishness. Repent. Just confess, Lord, I've not been a loving person. I've not been operating in the gift of love. And it is a gift that you've poured out into me. For, for you men, maybe this morning will be a morning you would purpose in your heart, say, Lord, I don't want to have to try and love my wife or try to do things that will impress her or show her that I love her. Father, but you'd pour out your love in each one of us that we might be godly men, godly dads, godly parents, godly friends, godly employees, that you would pour out that love in us that that's what we would show the world. The world needs to see godly men operating and walking in godly love. The world needs to see godly wives and women living a life of love. Father, my prayer this morning is that we as a group at Freedom Fellowship in this room right now, we would be a pleasing, sweet fragrance to you. Because we walk in love. We live love. We seek it. We give without expecting anything in return except knowing that you're pleased with us. That's why you created us to worship you, to love you. May we be that today in the days to come. May we walk in love. May May we be reminded of the great sacrifice paid for us. A love that put your son on the cross. May we be reminded of that today. That we too should walk in that same kind of love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.